doesn't make any difference whether we press record or not. Somehow the internet just keeps track of it. <laughs> hey, Siri, record my podcast. That's all right. Eventually, AOL just take our- like, We've probably got a big enough sample size now that we could just feed the whole lot in into ChatGPT and just let it do it itself. Or we could bring it down for good. That could be the thing that brings the fucking thing down. It's just <laughs> smoldering wreck. Well, it's the dynamic duo when we back again. Another rapper DJ to bend a package in your lacking sense. Trying to tangle with us, scoop with a big black boobies in the back of the bus to smack you. You're stealing your lunch, money to search. Money to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? We got strong man to be. Mind, 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 Gary has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. He still doesn't know. Uh, basketball, where my feed is clogged up with bloody children's basketball, bloody hoops. Ah, oh, it's the worst. Uh, month. When, when will it go away? When will well, it go away? April will go away pretty soon. It's not that <laughs> far away at all. March Madness doesn't begin until like really late in March. It is gone by like the second week of April. Um, yeah. It's just, the pro- I think the thing that's irritating about it is that it, it's for fucking casuals. It's all these people who don't know. If I was like a, a college basketball fan, I would be so fucking irritated by all the casuals that that lobby. And it's a bit like being a horse racing have you, person. And have then, you done your bracket? And then Melbourne yeah. Cup Day comes around and you get all these fucking morons just gurning all over the place. Or like how Formula One has been ruined by all the fuckwit Americans who've jumped on since that Netflix series started. Fucking Netflix plastics. However, Formula One's probably really happy that that happened. It probably doubled their audience. Oh, yeah, because they're owned by stupid fucking Americans. Yeah. This weekend they're racing in Saudi Arabia where last year they had a there was a missile attack from some rebels that was like just down the road from the uh from the fucking track. Did that make it into the Netflix show? Can you guess? Yeah. And yet that's not the worst thing that's happening in world sport at the moment. Why is the A League bringing LeVar Ball over? What is going on with soccer in Australia? This reminds me of when they would, like, bring out one cheesy American fucking pseudo-celebrity for, like, the Logies in, like, the 70s and 80s. Yeah, I know. And they'd be be drunk as fuck and just humiliate them. It'd be, like, one of Starsky or Hutch, like, that kind of level of of alleged celebrity. But LeVar Ball, it's not even the right code, at least if they brought him out for the NBL. Yeah, like that, that I could understand, right? Because his son actually has played in the NBL and there would be quite a few NBL fans that would know that name. But the A-League, I was just like- The Sydney Derby, which has enough shit going on anyway. There's enough stuff. Go- the Sydney Derby is is live and raucous and, and there's lots of feeling there. What the fuck are we doing with LeVar Ball? Yep. That that was where my, my brain broke a little bit. But maybe that's the um, point. It's to get this sort of d- discussion happening, like what the fuck is happening with LeVar Ball. Look, the West is still fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea who's going to win. The, uh, the, oh, I know who's going to win. In the West. Well, we know who's going to win the uh, the home and away season. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. But who who's going to be, who's kind of coming out of the Western Conference in the- uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I really just don't I, I have any it, idea at all. I think it might be your the team that you're pretending isn't your team, but is actually your team, the Denver Nuggets. I think that. I mean, who's better than them over well, seven when they games? Wake up, over four series yeah, of seven that, games. 
Well, that's the thing too. You got to play. You've always got to play four games in Denver, and that's probably one of the best home advantages still left in the league. There is um, only one team in the entire Western Conference with a winning away record, and that's Sacramento. <laughs> Every other, like the best, like the Clippers. The Clippers were flat five hundred. Yeah, the, the, the Nuggets are even. Yeah, yeah. that's the that's the best you can do is be five hundred, and uh, Sacramento are like twenty and thirteen. You're right. The the Grizzlies are like. Terrible away. Grizzlies are terrible away. The Suns are terrible away. Clippers are flat 500. <laughs> the Warriors are just hilariously bad yeah. away. Yeah. Golden State have the same away record as Detroit. They're <laughs> 7-27. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's getting to that sort of sad stage. Like, I know they and jagged d- that championship last year, but watching Steph put up 50 in a side you know hasn't been constructed very well is, is a little bit sad. But the thing is that there's no- there's no real reason for it because the number six team in the East is Brooklyn and they're above 500 and the team above them is above 500. Mm. It's not like – it doesn't make any fucking sense as to why the West is so bad. I mean, obviously, you've got teams that have great home advantages in Denver, but there's only one of them. The other one that used to have that kind of advantage was Utah, but Utah aren't and is anywhere near as good this year. I think there's a lot 20 or 13 of – 20 at home, though. There's a lot of really good players in the NBA now – and analysis where the Spurs, like the Spurs, used to just roll through, right, and be a powerhouse in the Western Conference. And the, one of the reasons was is that they beat every team below six. You know, they would just beat those teams. You know, if you were a crappy team, they sort of they they won all those games, and then they split the games with the good teams. You know, that was their sort of the way that they operated. They but, wouldn't have lost to Houston like, the way uh, the, the way Lakers the, did. The Celtics and the Lakers did but, in back-to-back games, but the but the, even the Rockets have Shangoon and Green, right? Those guys are good players. There's just no system around them, no, no competence, no no system, no culture around them. But those two guys are actually good players. They're not bad. Well, San Antonio has a worse net rating than them. The, the, the Trailblazers are the third worst team in the West and probably have a top five MVP handed it. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's how that's how the talent is spread out. Their net rating is like minus one point five points. They are, you know, they've got mm. the the point differential of a team that should be five hundred. It's just yeah. it's just an absolute shit fight. Uh, it, there's just a massive middle. They have not been put well together. Like they're another. They're like a worse version of the Warriors, where it's like. Oh yeah, we've said we've you know, said that before. They're like that. They they, yeah. they should have followed the Warriors blueprint, and yet they they keep sticking with this idea of sticking another small non defensive guard next to next to Dame, and they've wasted another another year of his uh, of his prime. And he's come out, you know, he's had a, he got interviewed on JJ Reddick's podcast this week, and he sort of expressed how um, kind of disillusioned he was with with you know this obsession with rings and. You know, and you know how the how the game has changed, and how much he, he just wasn't enjoying it anymore. So you you can see he he might not be he's not the sort of dude who'd be playing until he's LeBron's age. I think, I think he'll he'll just quietly fuck off into the sun the sunset. Um, but there's yeah, a lot of teams. This, down- this is th- this is where the the you know like that everyone talks about. Oh, you know the 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 management of players and this is ruining the game. I actually think the hot take discourse media bullshit around the game, you know, your Perkins and your Skip Baylesses and your first takes and even NBA t- today, how, like, you, you hear Zach Lowe talk about 
their production meetings and he's like, you know, can we please talk about the Bucks or Denver? No, no, we've got to talk about Russ and, and the Celtics and the Lakers and Yeah, but that's, and, that doesn't you know, matter. When- that's just that's just content to fuel content. That doesn't actually matter. It's just, you know, stuff. No, no, that, but it's, think- like, it's like complaining that the Sky News runs Australian politics. It doesn't. Nobody pays any attention. If it did, you wouldn't have the government. No. But I think that's what Dame's talking about is th- there's just such this focus on um, y- y- like what well, makes no, a player it, successful not- that you don't well, actually appreciate the people appreciate who started the all that were fucking it – was, it, was, it wasn't – any of the ESPN products, it was putting Shaq mm. and Ch- Charles Barkley on the same panel on on the longest-running yeah. panel show in American sports history, and Shaq constantly berating Chuck for not having won anything. But the real culprit, and there was a really, there was a really good podcast about this on, on the, the Lebertard Network with Amin Al-Hassan, uh, Howard Bryant, and Kate Fagan. Uh, they do a weekly thing where they get together and have kind of a thinky sports analysis thing, which make, makes a break from all the nonsense that normally goes on on, on, their, on their feed. Uh, talking about this, like what's the origin of this rings culture and where you know where's it come from? And in the end, it, it comes back to MJ, but specifically, mm. it comes back to Nike's promotion of MJ. MJ, a whole yeah. lot of they pushed him as being the reason that those teams won and that he just wanted it more and all these sorts of things and created this mythology around MJ when he was the only star in the game because this was after. You know, Larry and MJ and, and Magic and, and that generation had left and basically just left the spotlight for, for Michael Jordan. Yeah, there, there, there was a hole there. And so and, and that, the marketing it's a, it's and, been, and, and the narrative filled it. Yeah. Because back in the day, you you know, whether one, 70 people had won rings or not was, was not, it was kind of a tiebreaker in a, you know, who's the best discussion. It wasn't the first thing you talked about in a who's the best discussion, but now it's kind of, you know, MJ won six finals, and you know that's the end of the discussion. Doesn't really, it, and that obsession with rings culture, um, it, it kind of begins with MJ. I did see today that that MJ is um, looking at selling, um, selling the Hornets, or selling. It's not clear from the reports I saw whether he's selling a, a stake or the whole bloody thing. But it does kind of make well, you think. Well, it seemed like he was he was so, going to keep a stake, but he would no longer be the majority owner. Yeah, and that's what I thought. And you think, you know, sometimes I was just thinking about this because we often talk about sort of the um, the Wally Lewis or the Diego Maradona of the the brilliant player who was completely unable to translate that into being a good coach because he couldn't explain anything about what made him great and he couldn't relate to any players that weren't as great as him. MJ is the owner version of that, isn't he? He's the absolute yeah. example, the fucking the type specimen of, of the guy of, of – Wally Lewis as the as the Gold Coast coach standing on the roof of Seagull Stadium, uh, but just as an owner, and um, that so, that is that is the least successful team in the history of fucking, you know, in that period. MJ's ownership of that team will go down as a case study of of yeah. one of the worst run teams, and it does not make any sense. They had every advantage. They had the greatest basketball player of all time to that to date. Um, they had massive Nike support. They had it based in a, a state that was that has two huge um, college basketball operations in Duke and, and, and UNC, and they've achieved fucking nothing, and it's astonishing. So it's a bit of an open secret that LeBron is going to get the ownership of the Vegas team, right, when they have the expansion. You know, yeah, that's it's a, it's a bit like how thing. David Beckham was, was, was promised the Miami uh, franchise as, as, a, as a sweetener for when they brought him over to play um, in the MLS back in the day. 
do you reckon he's go- going to business school at night, like just really quietly? Because you know, I don't he think he needs to. That's what Maverick Carter's for. Yeah, but do, do, like he absolutely wants to be a, a, a successful and good owner, right? Because yeah. MJ has been such a bad owner. He's like, well, this is the one area where I absolutely can crush him. There can be no debate about who the greatest is. You know, the first time he makes a, an NBA finals, like there is no doubt there will be articles written about, well, Michael Jordan never did this when he was an owner. Yeah, but, but the, one of the problems with MJ, one of the, one of the, and, and I think it might have been a man who pointed this out on, on a podcast months, maybe years ago, is that, MJ has that kind of Doc Rivers coaching tree approach. He only appoints people who he knows, who are either family yeah. or, you know, connections right back. And, you know, LeBron did that a bit with Mav Carter and, and so on and so forth. But these guys are legitimate fucking entrepreneurs, whereas MJ just appointed ex-Nike shoe guys or Mitch Kupchak or um, ex-coaches, you know, you know, yeah. a whole lot of guys. That he, UNC guys. Or family members, you know, cousins and brothers and things like that. Um, and it's just there's no fucking rigorousness in their HR hiring processes, and that's why they're surrounded by mediocrity. The East is starting to get a little bit of a feel of the Heat and Raptors are getting their shit together and could cause a few nervous titters. Maybe not for the Bucks. I don't. I don't think. I, I think I the, Bucks the, the Bucks had out. an off night tonight in Indy, and now yeah, they have to look at their revision mirror because the Celts and the Sixers are only a game back, essentially. Uh, two games, two and three games back, aren't they? I saw one one back in the lost column, and I didn't I didn't fact check it because why would you? It's two Celtics are two games back, but yeah, I just the, the Bucks just feel to me like the favourites for the whole thing. It just feels like when they're firing, when everything was working for them, they're that they're just a different beast to everybody else. Um, yeah, that whereas Heat Celtics in the first round. Well, some of these people are very <laughs> that, nervous about that, that. That could be that could be a lot of fun, right? That could really, you know, that that contract they gave Joe Mazzulla could really, really look a bit shaky by the end of that first round series, um, because he seems to be of the Jason Kidd, I'll just sit back and let everything work itself out sort of coaching tree, uh, and then you've got. Doc, and then I guess the the Cavs sort of feel like they need to grow up another year, don't they? Yeah, like they're they're a good side, but they're Mo- Mobley hasn't you know fully come out of the chrysalis yet. He he, he, he he's not the full butterfly. He's well, still a little bit of a caterpillar. The more playoffy the games get, the more you see where they miss stuff, and it's a bit like that with um. You can see that happening with the Kings. I mean, we, I love you know I really enjoy the Kings this year. Love the team. Watched yeah. a lot of their games because their broadcast is really good. The crowd are great. The beam is great, uh, and yet they could very easily lose a two seven series to a more street smart team that comes out of the play in because of the way that they are super optimised to perform in the regular season. They have the greatest offence in the history of basketball, largely because yeah. whoever has the best the best offence in basketball at any given year will have the greatest offence in the history of basketball because of the way point yeah, the inflation has been, has been going. But they can't yeah. stop anybody, and that's going to be more important in the playoffs because – you know, people will be able to game, you know, game plan against the fact that they get all those super open looks. And it'll be the same case for the Cavs. You saw with that game they played against the Sixers just now that the Sixers were able to play a much more playoffy kind of game and their game is gonna is gonna go better, you know, more ISO y and and more slowed down and not not so not as contingent on getting lots of open threes. I know you're a little bit um 
more conservative about the Thunder than I am. But damn, I am looking forward to them when they get Chet. Like, they've been so competitive in a lot of their games recently. They're making the playoffs, whether Presti likes it or not. I think that's hilarious. Yeah, that's right. They are making the play-in because the Pels keep dropping yeah. off. The, base, the Blazers are burnt out. Fucking it's happening.gif. You cannot tell me that if they were against the Timberwolves, Mavericks, the Lakers in a one-off game, that Shea and Giddy could not pull that game out. Like, those two guys are fucking hardcore competitors. And that's the, that's the exciting thing about Chet is – He's this big, gangly, you know, stick insect-looking guy. But the rep on him was he'll dive on the ground for a ball. Like, the guy just wants, you know, want, you know, has that what, – what's the phrase? Has that dog in him that he's just – like, I can see them building this real scrappy culture where they don't look the part, you know, Giddy and Chet particularly, but they're just going to surprise teams with their – you know, like, like the old school Grizzlies, like the old school grit and grind Grizzlies where you'd walk into their court and it's like, well, if you're not up for it, you're just going to get smashed for four quarters. <laughs> and if you're just, you're like, how the fuck did we lose that? You know, we just got out competed. They're a lot more fluid than the old Gasol, Conley, Zebo Grizzlies, I say. Oh, did you see that pass of Giddies today? That was Jokic-like. That was, that was spectacular. It's weirdly enough, I didn't watch much of the Thunder game because it's the Thunder game. Um, I mean, they're they're a better side than they're placed. I mean, they they've got a yeah. their net rating difference is, is fifth in the West, even though they're tenth. Uh, they're going to create yeah. a problem. You know, if if it was cut right now, if it stopped right now, Minnesota, Oklahoma, in the um, sorry, that's not right. It's uh, they've got to play the Lakers. I'd be more worried about Lakers than the Timberwolves, just because I don't trust the Timberwolves. But um, yeah, yeah. Well, there's still there's still from some some fifth games to. Th- 11th is three and a half games. About 12 like, games left for all those teams. Yeah, 12 games left yeah. for most of the West. Yep. So, like, three games sounds like a lot in 12, but the Clippers just lost five in a row not that long ago. Uh, and then one four, four in a row now. and they right back where they were. Yeah. Yeah. And that's whatever else you have to say the play-in has worked, right? Because... At this stage of the season, the Clippers would just sort of like, well, you know, we can rest Kawhi because we can finish anywhere between fourth and eighth and it doesn't really matter. But you really do not want to finish in that seventh spot because one bad game, one poor coaching game, one poor rotation game, and you're gone. You're out. Or at least you get the second bite if you're if you're at the seven or the eight. Yes, if you're seven and eight, that's true. It's a lot of angst on Nuggets Twitter about the way they're playing at the moment, which seems slightly ridiculous. They they'd lost a few games, uh, and then they um, they won today in 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 Detroit. Yeah, Detroit. Uh, was it, they managed to withstand a scoring attack for Rodney Magruder, um, which is the uh, the first indication I'd had for months that Rodney Magruder was still in the league. Um, which will be a very large disappointment to Draymond Green because I recall uh, Dre declaring that Rodney Magruder would be out of the league. Hey, when the fuck Rodney Magruder become the tough guy of the team? Like, walk over there talking shit like he's a team tough guy. the hell out of here. Fucking tough guy, Rodney. Rodney. Fucking tough guy. I think the problem with the Nuggets is they made a couple of really uh, what what people thought were savvy trades and signings at the deadline. You know, Thomas Bryant and Reggie Jackson. And both of those guys have just completely shit the bed. 
and they have no bench. And every time Jokic sits, they just fall into a hole. Now, I realise in the finals that becomes less of a thing because Jokic plays 40 minutes and and the dudes are fucking, you know. It, and they're also you know, five games ahead all- of the two seed who's not going to catch them. So this is the point at which you kick the clutch in and you coast because you can. Yeah. Coast for a couple of weeks. Ramp it back up in the final well, week and then dive into the, into the one eight when you're when you're ready to do that. And I would not also put it past the Jokic to go. I am fucking throwing the MVP though he he's been good, right? You, you can't accuse him of not playing well. It's it's been Murray's been a bit poor and the bench has been shit. Um, but if anything, that but makes his like- MVP case stronger because, as we said last week, yeah, no. he literally has nobody on his team who has ever appeared in a in a, any kind of representative team. Yeah, and it's, it seems like Malone just still doesn't co- uh, trust Michael Porter Jr. as that second guy. And, like, you need him to be Clay, right? You need to him to be Game 5 Clay, where Jokic is being double teamed and everything's going badly and all of a sudden Porter steps up and hits five threes because he's got that potential. He, he, you know, he has that streakiness that can go both ways. But Malone's got him on such a short leash, and I think that's where a bit of the frustration in in Denver comes comes from is that he's that little bit of a conservative coach that can't seem to encourage the superstar out of Porter Jr. I mean, and that's what they sort of need if they want to keep going. I that guess. assumes that there is a superstar in Porter Jr. I mean, he's yeah. Mike Malone's not a moron, but <laughs> he's not going to give it. No, no, there, there might be an extremely good reason he's on a short leash. Yeah, but if, if, if that's the case, if Malone has tabbed him accurately, then they're probably not going to make it past the second round, right? Because, like you said- Then the ceiling's not high enough. But, I mean, Michael Porter Jr. was a he was, he was a late first-round pick, wasn't he? Because of, um, of his medicals. Because of his back, yeah. And he, he was the guy who was out for the entire of his- pretty much of his entire first year, wasn't he? So, I mean, he's still producing more than, than his draft position indicates he was ever going to. Problem is they don't have a way of procuring anybody else at that level. They've done a really great job building a team without the draft equity to actually produce a team as good as the, as the one that they've developed. Um, yeah. But they don't, they don't have any prospect of being able to improve the team because they're not getting a whole lot of resource in coming their way. And free agents don't want to come and play with weird, sweaty man who bleeds occasionally. Well, I think it's more free agents don't want to go to Denver, right? Like free agents don't want to go to OKC or free agents don't want to go to Indiana. Like I think people would much rather go to Denver. I mean, Denver's not not a bad town at all by comparison. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether the like the Suns have always been tabbed as you know the sleeping giant of the league. You know that it's a great place to live and and it has a lot of advantages. But essentially, free agents have stayed away from the Suns because of Robert Sava. So because well, they're not because Robert Sava doesn't pay. It's not it's not just because Robert Sava's a flute. It's because, you know, he wasn't putting his hand in his pocket. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes next year. Not that yeah, they've got any cash or anything to to um to do that. But yeah, I just want college basketball to be over and the and the finals to start really. I, yeah. I, like the playing race is gonna be fascinating. And, you know, I have sort of watched all the games this year either through All of them. He's watched stolen, every single one. <laughs> my stolen KO subscription or those, you know, fifteen minute recaps. I think I I think I'll buy the the league pass for the play-ins so I can you know watch that uh, you know because the, with league pass you you can watch the game in that sort of forty eight minute uh, possessions only you know, yeah no, no ads 
yeah, the possessions only. And it's just, it's such a, I really miss the, those couple of years I, I paid full whack for League Pass and I watched shitloads of games because the kids were at home sick. I, I really do miss that. It's such a great way to watch basketball, or watch lots of basketball. Um, the, the 15 minute recaps are, are good. That they are really good to, to catch you up. But um, yeah, but you only really get scoring shots. Like if you like yeah. if there's a possession that that ended on a massive block or a foul mm. or something, you don't tend to see it in those in those um, condensed you know, 10 minute games. Yeah, you, you do get the big blocks, but what you don't get is like the the nerdy stuff where it's like. Steph probing and, and calling out Draymond for a pick and roll and then slipping the screen and and then the shot doesn't go in. So they don't show that stuff, but it's yeah. like, man, Steph's really fucking killing it, but Wiseman couldn't finish the dunk sort of thing. Like, you miss all of that sort yeah. of stuff. But if you're that much of a nerd, you should be getting league pass. Yeah, because you should be you're, <laughs> league pass. You're an absolute fucking tragic. As I said, I somehow got grandfathered into to really cheap league pass this year and I'm perfectly happy with it and I'm going to stick with it for as long as they fucking give it to me. <laughs> Um, I suspect it'll only last for this year, but that's all right. Like it can it can last for this year. Um, yeah. yeah, college basketball. You know, at least we can see the end of it, and then the draft comes along. I've been a bit of chat about how you know it might be a three player draft because of this Alabama player who people are starting to like, notwithstanding the fact that the cops might end up charging him for being an accessory to murder. <sighs> yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not happy with a lot of like I I, I sort of. Like, I listen to a bit of draft stuff in relation to the NBA and podcast, but the fact that they're trying to disassociate themselves, it's, it fucking matters, man. They're just trying, they're trying to pretend that it isn't part of the story, that the fact that, you know. Yeah, jar flashing a gun in a club matters. It actually yes. fucking matters, right? The rehabilitation um, parade of that has been pretty gross and cynical, I have to admit. Yep. Jalen Rose and his $160 haircut. <laughs> Most of it's vertical. But no, I mean, Jalen has. Experience of that sort of stuff, but I'm not sure what the point of that, of that interview was. It wasn't particularly effective or, or incisive or anything. Although they've only released kind of an edited cut of it, I'd like to think he got better answers to some of those questions. Like, whose fucking gun was it? Don't give me talking points, you know. Yeah, um, yeah but it, it kind of reminded all these fucking wankers who, who lionize college basketball and say you can't become a good, you know, solid adult professional unless you go to college. There isn't people being implicated in accessory to murder shit. In the fucking G League in or the in the G NBL, no. is there? You know why? Because they're too fucking busy grinding their fucking days they're not, out. They're not having smoke blown up their ass by fucking boosters the whole time. I mean, college is a fraudulent wank and it needs to be fucking shut down. But it makes too much fucking money. Yep. Also because it ruins much. Yeah, and there's a whole gambling in- industry about it, which I've never really thought about until this year. Well, in um, fact, the brackets are gambled on. Essentially, it's a bit like a Melbourne Cup sweep. Uh, but the thing yep. is that the legalisation of gambling, you know, in a lot of states across America is going to pull the teeth out of the college basketball thing because there's so many other things for people to gamble on. They can gamble on things that the people actually like watching. Not random basketball. A lot of people, a lot of the basketball podcasts that have talked about it have said, "Look, nobody knows what's going to go on on this, so nobody knows what the market is, so nobody knows whether any of these points starts make any sense." So anybody who now that people have a bit of experience with gambling on the NBA, they're staying away from the fucking college because it's like I don't understand a fucking thing. Yeah. How could you set a market for this? How could you know? It's too, too much chaos. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah. How could you know whether these points are worth taking or not? And if that makes college basketball weaker, fantastic. Yep. More power to the G League, more power to, what's, what is it, Overtime Elite, more power to the NBL. Well, except for the fact that Andrew Bogut's team won the fucking uh, NBL 
New Zealand did their best, but unfortunately, um, the forces of transphobia win out again. <laughs> Team JK. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. Next year, the Kings will be sponsored by fucking Harry Potter. Ah, uh, dear. Shall we leave it there, Doc, and come back and talk some tunes? We may as well. Um, there's not really much else to talk about. NRL preseason is, is still over. I can't give <clears> any <throat> further adv- advice on that. Uh, I did see that the AFL media were... There was this whole narrative running. There seems to be a whole lot of AFL trades podcasts and coverage and verticals being launched, and it's pissing off a lot of AFL fans that the idea that this transaction economy shit is really starting to take over. Like, they're, they're having year-long podcasts tracing, like, who are the free agents and where they're going to go and what yeah. the whispers from the fucking trade, the trade machine are and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, it's a dangerous place to be when transactions are more important than games and the AFL could end up being there because, you know, you could argue the NBA has been there for a while. Well, the NBA sort of weaponized it into sections, right? But it's probably pushed too far. Like, it's gone a bit too far where there's too much transience. Like, Yeah, but at least it happens within the year. I mean, the problem is with the AFL and particularly the NRL is that it's talking about contracts for players into the future – like, you're talking about yeah. what the guy's going to do next year. Like, one of the things I really think the NRL gets wrong is that they talk because the contracts are short, they're talking about what they do at the end of their next contract. So, we already know that, you know, like, fucking, I'm just to pull a name out of my ass, Herbie Farnsworth is going to be leaving the Broncos and joining Wayne Bennett's fucking dolphins that don't, that don't have a geographical location. You know that, like, years in advance. And it's like, well, this is – how does that make life better for anybody involved? Doesn't it help the player? I mean, the no, player has, it, has their career lined up, maybe. It doesn't help the staff of his current current club, his future club. It absolutely doesn't help the fucking fans. And that's the main thing that's the problem, is that how the fans of, of either club are supposed to enjoy that. It, it's just a really weird and stupid way of, of running your, your contracting. Yeah, so every player I've ever coached, if they ever come back to me, I will always love them. Try and improve them as a player. Like I'll, I will, like I will always love offer advice you. or offer feedback. But if you're a professional coach and you know in eighteen months that that player is going to someone that's going to try and beat you in games, where's the incentive for you to improve that player? Or like, even more cynically, if you're like, if you put it in like the American, the NFL context, if you're say a running back and running backs generally tail off with the number of carries they you take. Just, just never sub them. You just run them into the fucking line <laughs> hundreds of times <laughs> in the year that you've got them. So by the time they get to their next club, they're fucked. You tibs them. You basically, That's you tibs them. Idea. And you could do, I mean, if, if the Broncos knew what they were doing, they'd be running, I'm, I'm Herbie Farnsworth, I only remember because he's, he's got a name that always makes me laugh. But, you know, wouldn't you run Herbie Farnsworth, like, you know, his usage would be off the charts because yeah. you would be, you would be using that motherfucker yeah, mate, up. You're playing 78 minutes a week. Yeah, man. <laughs> you can and, come and off at the 78-minute mark. I hope you're really fit. The only problem is you probably create this- It just makes no sense. superstar player that can play 78 minutes a week and would just tear it up for Reckler, knowing the Broncos. Well, fucking um, at South, we knew Adam Reynolds was going because the New Souths were letting him go. Oh, this was a, a, a year or two ago. And it's like, yeah, it's, the entire year, it feels like you've already been- It's like, it's like living with your ex-girlfriend. You've already broken up, but you're still both names are still on the lease. It's like, well, we're still we're still kind of hanging out together, are we? But, this is great. This isn't but, awkward. But what what I don't understand with the NRL is there's a model for them to follow, right? <laughs> look around at other leagues. Look at transfer windows. Look at free agency. Look at 
I think it's a contract you know, length like, issue as much as anything. Because I think because the salary cap is relatively low, contracts are relatively short. And as a result, people come off contract much sooner. You don't tend to have trades. So people tend to play to the end of their contract and then, and then get move. a new contract. You know, obviously some people get extensions and, you know, like fucking, um, this is more rugby league content than I thought we'd have. But I know um, Tedesco, the, the East uh, fullback, because there was some discussion about whether they'd keep him or the young bloke they got from South, Suali. Suali. I can't get that right. Joseph Suali. And it looks like because they're East and they have no salary hat at all, um, they're going to try and do both. Yeah, but they've extended, both. they've extended Squiddy Squidesco, and um, they're going to they're going to try and keep Suali. Sui, sui, uh, I can't I can't get the, get the apostrophe right. <laughs> it's Suali. Good, good listening Suali. to you try though. Suali. Uh, no, it's actually it's actually pronounced Joseph Swali. None of this is making the show. It's ruining my my cred as a as a as a woke puck here. It's, it's gonna be it's gonna be really funny when you've got this beautifully recorded afterwards uh, pronunciation just dropped into the podcast. <laughs> It'll just be some fucking internet pronunciation. <laughs> uh, all right, doc. That's way too much rugby league content. Let's uh let's wind it up. Let's go. Let's get out of here. This was the Bulls Podcast. I was Doc. It was Bezo, and we'll talk to you again next week. Gary has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. Still doesn't know. We didn't talk cricket. Probably good. No. Look. The only thing I want to say about cricket is that New Zealand are genetically incapable of playing a bad test match. The moment they keep doing last ball, last wicket bullshit. With that note, of this fucking test match against Sri Lanka will probably end up in a in a fucking bore draw, rained out or some shit. Yeah. So the only thing I wanted to say was I really enjoyed that third test match, right? And I really enjoyed the second test match because it only ended shortly because Australia shit the bed. Like they're actually in a good position and then shit the bed. But the fourth test match, how? Who is that for? Who enjoys that other than Coley fans? It's the, no, like- no, who enjoys it? And we talked about I think we talked about this last week, was that the BCCI chose that pitch because they wanted a draw, because a draw puts them in a better position. It was the most blatant, oh, yep. sickening. For, for, but for it the, was, for it, the world championship, not, yeah. It did not matter that it was a shit game. And that's the problem. That's why hmm. the, the grounds conditions need to be taken out of the hands of the home fucking association. Because now it's clear that this has escalated it. Now that the BCCI are directly <laughs> coordinating and conducting the state of the pitch in a strategic yep. and tactical way, then every other then England have to do that, and Australia have to do that, and yeah, Australia are going to have to start start installing trampolines under the under the pitches at the MCG. They're just going to make a pitch out of hot mix. They'll just have to lay a bit of fucking M one. Well. Just get that trophy, the the yeah, the uh, trophy they use in the A League. Just a couple of them, you'll be fine. Well, the toilet seat. Oh, the the fucking the F three. So the A League gets so many things right, but Lavar Ball, <laughs> fucking hell, mate. We've we've managed to pull this round we'd, we'd, all the way back. Yes, we're almost like we're professionals. This is all where right, we came stop. in. Let's stop here. Get out of here. I'm getting a drink. society God's gift 
to ballroom notoriety. And I always fill my ballroom, the event is never small. The social pages say I've got the biggest balls of all. <laughs> 